0: The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Where the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello fellow Americans, this is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. SCOTUS. Hero or villain? Jekyll or Hyde? Today on the grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. The law offices of Joshua Coleman were established in 2015 in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Licensed to practice law in both Texas and Florida, this firm will handle your criminal defense or personal injury case. Having worked in the prosecutor's office for four years, Josh knows how the prosecution thinks, works, and even assembles a case. That's why he's the right attorney for you. Have you been wrongly arrested or unlawfully arrested for exercising your constitutional rights? Or if you just made a mistake and need honest, expert representation to help you navigate those legal options, then the law offices of Joshua Coleman should be your first call. I know Josh personally. An avid hunter and outdoorsman, Josh loves this country that the Lord has blessed us with. He will represent you well today. Give him a call at 214-307-4179 for a free consultation. Again, that's 214-307-4179. Be sure to mention that you are a Kingdom Patriot. Recently, it is customary for me to do a news and review on The Grid podcast, but today's topic is the news and review. While there were many items in the news, including filibuster vitriol and packing of the Supreme Court, pretty much what you would expect from a side of the political spectrum throwing a temper tantrum, For not getting their way. But there's no bigger news during this past week than the SCOTUS decision in regards to the OSHA vaccine mandates and the HHS mandates. We will spend time today unpacking those decisions and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Now, while it is tempting to read all the political and legal commentary on this SCOTUS opinion, I've decided to post in this podcast the transcript from the actual Supreme Court opinion so you can read it for yourself. And that's primarily where I'm going to be reading from today and commenting on. Yeah, it's 30 pages, but it doesn't take a lot to get through. So I just encourage you, as you look at the transcript of this podcast, to go take a look. But to truly dive into this case, it's also pretty essential to do a quick recap to see how we got here. September 9th, 2021, Biden announces vaccine mandates are going to come through OSHA. But then it takes almost two months. November 4th and 5th, OSHA releases the details of its emergency standards. Immediately, multiple lawsuits are filed with varying results in court. Initially, the Fifth Circuit Court instituted a stay on the regulation. And then the cases, because there were multiple lawsuits from multiple states, were consolidated at the Sixth Circuit. The Sixth Circuit, in essence, said, we don't believe that this stay is justified, so they lifted this stay. Then SCOTUS agreed to hear the oral arguments of the case. And on January 7th, the Supreme Court of the United States heard oral arguments on whether or not this stay or this injunction should be in place. So to be clear, and I want to make sure everyone understands this, this is not to rule on the case itself, but to determine if the plaintiffs or if the applicants have a high likelihood of success, and therefore to be granted injunctive relief while the case continues through the courts. So first, the end result. In a 6-3 opinion, the Supreme Court ruled that the plaintiffs, or in this case the applicants, had a high likelihood of success in their suit, and therefore an injunction on the regulation would be put in place until it makes its way through the courts. So let's look at what the court said. The argument before the Supreme Court, in other words, what the plaintiffs were arguing, or or the applicants, they argued that OSHA's mandate exceeded its statutory authority and therefore was otherwise unlawful, and that OSHA had never before imposed such a mandate, nor had Congress. And indeed, although Congress had enacted significant legislation addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, it had declined to act any measure similar to what OSHA had promulgated here in this regulation. In the court's opinion, They agreed that the applicants are likely to prevail, therefore we grant their application and stay the rule. So for a moment, what does this mean? What just happened here? Because in different circuits there were different rulings on the stay and requests for injunctive relief. It opened the door for the Supreme Court to hear arguments regarding the stay of the rule itself. And this is important because in theory it makes no sense for a regulation to go into effect that has significant implications and burdens, only to be later declared unconstitutional by the court and then have to be unwound. And that's why this ruling is significant. The stay has nothing to do with the ruling on the actual case, but it does give insight to whether or not the Supreme Court believes the plaintiff will prevail. So in an essence, in a 6-3 decision, the court is saying there is very little chance that OSHA actually had the proper authority to do what it did, and the plaintiffs are very likely to succeed. In addition, the court laid a very logical and detailed opinion as to why the plaintiffs were likely to succeed. Now, if it was up to me, if you ask my opinion, if OSHA wanted to save face, they would drop this right away and start over. But as we have seen over and over with this administration, they double down on everything. As Ben Shapiro likes to say, more cowbells. So let's dive into the case itself, or really the, the opinion. So the Supreme Court of Justice has spent a little bit of time talking about the actual act in 1970 when OSHA was created, and it was specifically created to ensure safe and healthful working conditions by enforcing rules issued by the Secretary. And by that, I I think they're referring to the Secretary of Labor because this falls under the Department of Labor. The development of these rules must be done using a rigorous process that includes notice, comment, and an opportunity for public hearing. These standards are issued by the Secretary, and they must be reasonable, reasonably necessary, or appropriate to provide safe or healthful employment. In fact, the act does contain an exception to those ordinary notice and comment procedures for emergency temporary standards, which by the way is what OSHA tried to use in this case. But those standards may take immediate effect upon publication in the Federal Register, but they're only permissible in the narrowest of circumstances and the Secretary must show that employees are exposed to grave danger from exposure to substances or agents determined to be toxic are physically harmful, or from new hazards, and that the emergency standard is necessary to protect employees from such danger. The Supreme Court opined the following. Applicants are likely to succeed on the merits of their claim that the Secretary lacked authority to impose the mandate. Administrative agencies are creatures of statute. They accordingly possess only the authority that Congress has provided, and the Secretary has ordered 84 million Americans to either obtain a COVID-19 vaccine, or undergo weekly medical testing at their own expense. This is no everyday exercise of federal power, according to the court. It is instead a significant encroachment into the lives and health of a vast number of employees. We expect Congress to speak clearly when authorizing an agency to exercise powers of vast economic and political significance. The question, then, is whether the act plainly authorizes the Secretary's mandate. It does not. The act empowers the secretary to set workplace safety standards, not broad public health measures. The Solicitor General does not dispute that OSHA is limited to regulating work related dangers. She instead argues that the risk of contracting COVID 19 qualifies as such a danger. We cannot agree. Although COVID 19 is a risk that occurs in many workplaces, it is not an occupational hazard in most. COVID 19 can and does spread at home and schools. At sporting events and everywhere else that people gather. That kind of universal risk is no different from the day to day dangers that all face from crime, air pollution, or any number of communicable diseases. Permitting OSHA to regulate the hazards of daily life simply because most Americans have jobs and face those same risks while on the clock would significantly expand OSHA's regulatory authority without congressional authorization. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. All I just shared was taking directly. From the Supreme Court's opinion. This is huge. The Supreme Court is rightly recognizing that if you give OSHA the authority to do what they're trying to do with this vaccine mandate, you might as well give them authority to regulate pretty much everything that we face in life. And the court was not willing to go there. The court further continues, it is telling that OSHA in its half century of existence has never before adopted a broad public health regulation of this kind. Addressing a threat that is untethered in any causal sense from the workplace, this lack of historical precedent, coupled with the breadth of authority that the Secretary now claims, is a telling indication that the mandate extends beyond the agency's legitimate reach. And although Congress has indisputedly given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers, it has not given that agency the power to regulate public health more broadly in essence, for requiring the vaccination of 84 million Americans selected simply because they work for employers with more than 100 employees certainly falls into that category. Now, in addition, I want to share, you can read through the opinion and you'll see each justice or several justices have shared their own comments. And I want to share some of what Justice Gorsuch said because this was really impactful and you'll understand why in just a second. This is what Justice Gorsuch said. Not only must the federal government properly invoke a constitutional enumerated source of authority to regulate in this area or any other, but it also must act consistently with the Constitution's separation of powers. And when it comes to that obligation, this court has established at least one firm rule. We expect Congress to speak clearly. Now, we just read that while I go as I was going through the opinion, but Gorsuch specifically is pointing this out. We expect Congress to speak clearly if it wishes to assign an executive agency decisions of vast economic and political significance. We sometimes call this the major questions doctrine. OSHA's mandate fails that doctrines test. The agency claims the power to force 84 million Americans to receive a vaccine or undergo regular testing. By any measure, that is a claim of power to resolve a question of vast national significance. Yet Congress has nowhere clearly assigned so much power to OSHA. Approximately two years have passed since this pandemic began. Vaccines have been available for more than a year. Over that span, Congress has chosen not to afford OSHA or any federal agency the authority to issue a vaccine mandate. Indeed, a majority of the Senate even voted to disapprove OSHA's regulation. I'm going to pause there. Did you hear what I just said? Or rather, did you hear what I just read that Gorsuch said? Let me read it again. Indeed, a majority of the Senate even voted to disapprove OSHA's regulation. Do you realize what Gorsuch is referring to? He's referring to the Senate's 52 to 48 vote rebuke of the OSHA regulation utilizing the Congressional Review Act. Does that sound familiar? It should, because that's where we here at the Kingdom Patriot Group urged everyone to contact their congressman to invoke this act, while even knowing that it would not pass the House. But we knew it would put the senators on record of having to support or rebuke OSHA's vast overreach. Who knew? I didn't know. Who knew at the time that that Senate vote using the Congressional Review Act would be reviewed and used to support the Supreme Court's assumption that Congress had absolutely no intention of giving OSHA this kind of power and authority? This is huge. You made a difference. And that difference was cited in the Supreme Court's opinion. I just had to share that. I just had to take a moment. I was so pumped about that but I digress. At the end of the day, Skoda said, ah, no, OSHA does not have this kind of power, so take your toys and go home. The case was remanded back to the Sixth Circuit, and whether it'll either be correctly or incorrectly ruled, it'll still likely make its way back to the Supreme Court. But I wanted to make a couple comments before we wrap up today. First, there's a domino effect for being active in voting for our leaders. There may be no more important role of the president than to nominate justices To the Supreme Court, and to other federal benches. These choices far outlast the President's administration, and those impacts of those choices are felt for decades. President Trump appointed Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, and they all voted that OSHA had vastly overreached their authority. I cannot stress how important this is to not sit on the sidelines. Secondly, and this is probably more important, I feel sometimes Christians fall into the same trap as our liberal friends, we put our hope in government, our hope in electing the right leaders. And when it seems hope is running out, we place our last hope in the Supreme Court. And although SCOTUS rightly ruled on OSHA, I do believe they wrongly ruled on HHS's mandates for healthcare workers. That is why we cannot and should not place our hope on the court. Of course we will advocate, of course we will champion, of course we will push for conservatism, especially Christian conservatism, for the right to worship freely. But our hope should not and cannot be in man, or we will always be disappointed in man-made solutions. Our hope has to be in Christ. And I think we see that clearly in Psalm 121, verses 1 through 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, be attentive to our prayer, and may we always look to you for our refuge, our strength, and our hope. Thanks for joining me for today's edition of The Grid. Thanks again for our sponsor, the Law Offices of Joshua Kuhlman. Don't forget to give him a call at 214-307-4179 for a free consultation. Again, that's 214-307-4179. Also, don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot.